The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Nobody Told Me. I'm Laura Owens. And I'm Jan Black. We're a mother-daughter duo, and this episode is especially important to us because we're talking about the ways parents can help their tweens and teens prepare for the emotional, physical, and social challenges they'll be facing. Our guest is Michelle Eichard, who's a member of the Today Show parenting team and NBC News Learn. She's also the author of a great new book called 14 Talks by Age 14, the essential conversations you need to have with your kids before they start high school. Michelle, thank you so very much for joining us. Hi, thank you for having me. Why have you been so interested in studying the world of adolescence? It's such a good question because I am specifically fascinated by middle school. And so often people say to me, why would you ever want to go back to middle school? <laughs> uh, I was so going to say the exact same thing. I think once <laughs> most of us have gone through that phase, we're done and we don't want to look back at it. Yeah, That's right. It is an, a very awkward, um, emotional, can be very painful time of our lives. And for me, I hated middle school the first time around. So I'm not unlike most people listening But um, when your kid goes back to middle school, you have to sort of put yourself back in that emotional space again. So I've actually been doing this work for 16 years. My kids are now 18 and 20. So I have been um, deeply immersed in middle school for most of my adult life. And I think that what we don't see when we're living it is just how fascinating it is as a developmental period and how much opportunity there is for growth during this time the challenges that have been faced by teens and tweens in the past, say a year and a half ago, are so different than what they are now. How have you seen kids cope? And what do you expect these kids are going to be like in the future? Is it going to be beneficial or not for them to have stayed home for so much time? Well, you're right. This is an entirely unchartered territory. Um, This is an entirely different time. And so it is hard to predict. Um, But, you know, I'm an optimist. And I think that um, so often the things that are quite painful to go through end up being really important uh, learning moments and end up making us all a little bit stronger. So my hope is that down the road, when we are able to track what these kids have gone through and what their lives are like later, that they will have developed some powerful coping skills um, through all of this. And, you know, I understand that kids are really isolated right now and school's particularly difficult. Um, But my hope is that we learn some really good things out of this. What do you think are the toughest things that kids are facing right now? I think it has to be Well, I would say in the best circumstances, it has to be social isolation. I certainly think there are some kids whose homes aren't safe, and that is the absolute worst scenario here for kids who are at home all the time. But in in kind of the best case, worst case scenario, 
I think it's the fact that kids are really driven to spend time with their peers and to explore those relationships at this age. Um, and they're not able to do it that much. I mean, they're doing it online and thank goodness they have the opportunity to do it there. It does pose its own challenges. But I think down the road, that's going to be really hard developmentally to look back and say, I didn't get to do certain milestones. I didn't get to spend time outside with people who I loved. Um, so that's, I think, the trickiest part. It's going to be really interesting to see how this has an impact on the mental health of teens and tweens. I think if it were me when I was in school, it would have been a good thing because I wouldn't have had to worry about facing bullies in the same way. Although I guess now kids have to worry about cyber bullies, but I just think it would be better maybe for somebody like me. I always really enjoyed spending time with my mom, as you can tell, but, (laughs) and, and hopefully this ends up being something that really brings kids and their parents together and parents can have just a better handle on the mental health of kids so that maybe things can stay a little more under control and we can get the depression that so many are facing right now a little bit more under control. I'm glad you said that because I do think, uh, you know, I'm hearing from parents kind of on both sides of the coin and some are saying my kid needs to get back in school. This is really detrimental. And others are saying my child is happier right now to be at home and maybe they had some anxiety and they're able to sort of cozy up and shelter in place, which feels good to them right now. So I do think that there that we can look at this both ways. And what you said about um sort of finding the time to connect with families, I think is really valuable. I had a mom say to me a couple days ago that she was reading an advanced copy of the book and she has a son who's in sixth grade. So she happened to be working from home as we all are and he was schooling from home. So they met each other for lunch in the kitchen and she asked him about one of the chapters is about fairness. And she just said, I'm curious, what do you think fairness means? And he said, well, it's like everybody gets the same things. And that's the, the chapter talks you through how we need to really talk to kids about equity um, and what the real meaning of fairness is, which is more everybody gets what they need to be successful. So they had a great conversation. And she said to me, if I had read this book in a different year, I would have come home from work and been so exhausted. The only thing I would have wanted to talk about is like, what homework do you have due and what are we going to eat for dinner? But families are finding time now to have these really meaningful, engaging conversations. So that's a good thing. Which brings up an interesting uh, question from my standpoint. You're talking about the essential conversations that parents need to have with their kids in your new book. But how do you start those conversations in this pandemic time? How do you check in with your kid? What words do you say to find out whether they're coping well or whether they need more help from you right now? Yeah, that's such a good question. I think what kids appreciate at all times uh, when they enter early adolescence is that you acknowledge some amount of power and some amount of capability that they have. So when you want to check in with them, a nice way to do that is to phrase it not as though you have all the answers or you have all the power in the relationship, but to say something like, what do you need to be successful right now? How can I support you? Um, What sort of talents or skills or qualities do you have that have helped you 
muscle through some really tough situations in the past and how can you use those now? So you're not approaching the child as though they're broken and you can fix them. You're really helping them to see what they can do to feel empowered. And I think that little shift is a great way to get kids to want to talk with you and engage with you. If parents only had one really important talk with their kids, which one out of the 14 would you think would be the best? Well, that's great. I think it's going to be different for every single family. Um, hmm. I'll tell you that my favorite is the one on independence. And it sort of looks at how kids have this deep craving for independence that's really hard to get right now because you're at home with your parents all the time. So I think there's some creative ways you can look at how to give kids more independence, even if they can't go out on their own and roam around because we have to stay inside and be safe for a little while longer. Um, But the chapter will give you some ideas on that. Our Nobody Told Me conversation continues as we tell you about Paired, the relationship app for couples. How does it work? Well, you and your partner download the app, pair together, and every day Paired gives you questions, quizzes, and games to have fun, stay connected, and deepen your conversations. It's simple and often hilarious and heartwarming. Each day you get a quiz to play or a question to answer, and you can't see your partner's answer until you answer yourself. Whether you're just a few dates in or have been together a long time, it's time to lighten the mood and have fun with your partner by using Paired. My husband and I have been together for decades, and we really enjoy using Paired. Let's face it, you need to work to keep a relationship fresh and growing, and Paired helps a lot with that. We love the questions Paired asks us to answer about each other, like, what's something you admire most about your partner, and what's one new activity you could try together this month? If you're in the younger age group and have a newer relationship, Paired is a wonderful way to get to know someone better. You might really like the Paired quizzes about managing jealousy, saying sorry, and gender roles at home. Try it out to spark meaningful conversations with your partner every day with fun, research-based conversation starters. Paired has hundreds of questions, quizzes, games, and tips curated by acclaimed relationship therapists and academics. And Paired has a special offer for our Nobody Told Me listeners. Head to Paired.com slash nobody to get a seven-day free trial and 25% off if you sign up for a subscription. Just head to P-A-I-R-E-D dot com slash nobody to sign up today. Connect with your partner every day using Paired. A happier relationship starts there. Just head to P-A-I-R-E-D red.com slash nobody to sign up today. Get a seven-day free trial and 25% off if you sign up for a subscription. What about the best places, the best times to have these conversations with your kids? I talked to somebody when my kids were really small and it was a mom who had had a lot of experience with her kids because they were older. And she said she found the best place to talk to her kids was when they're driving in the car and you don't have to look at somebody straight in the eye that that's a good time to open up a conversation. I think lots of parents experience that and they do have better conversations when they're not face-to-face. So if you can think of all the opportunities 
opportunities you have to sort of be multitasking while you're talking, whether that's going on a walk or playing a video game with your kid or, um, you know, you're preparing things to cook for dinner, anything where you're a little bit busy and you're not looking at each other works really well. And I think that there's a reason for that beyond what we might imagine initially. And that is that kids this age, beginning at about age 11, their brains undergo some amazing developmental stuff. And one of the things that happens is the part of the brain that reads facial expressions, it takes a backseat to the part of the brain that is highly emotional. So when your child looks at you and you're talking face to face, they really misinterpret how you feel quite often because they can't read your facial expression. So I always say, um, I, I jokingly refer to it as having a Botox brow. But <laughs> when you're talking with your kid, if you can pretend you are a celebrity on a late night talk show and you've been so overly Botoxed, you can't really move your face <laughs> and be expressive. Um, it sounds funny and sort of robotic, but the fact is it is a gift to a child to not have to try to guess what you feel. So you just put it into words and leave your face very neutral. And that helps. How often are we trying to guess the tone that people are trying to convey over text or social media? And it's so misinterpreted. People need to understand what facial expressions mean. I'm staying alone right now and I'm not seeing people as much. I'm analyzing text more. What exactly do they mean when they say this? Could I take the tone a little differently? So I think that's a really important thing. I think we're all worried our social skills are eroding and what will happen when we get back together with people and we might might not be as good as we were once. What if your child brings up something that you just are absolutely against and you can't hold your emotions in? If they say, hey, you know, I want to go to this party and I don't want to have a curfew this particular time. And you're like, wait a second, that's just not going to happen. I mean, should you try to moderate your tone or what? I mean, is that the same kind of advice in terms of your voice that you would give to facial expressions to kind of keep it all under control and keep a poker face and a poker voice as well? Is it better to come off like their friend in that situation? Or do you really need to just dig in and be the parent who maybe they don't like as much? Well, I think you can, you, you always need to be the parent. So sometimes no is the right answer and that's perfectly fine. But your child is going through such an emotionally volatile period in their life that I think the less emotional you can be about it, I mean, you can certainly be firm and you can absolutely have boundaries and you can set, you know, time limits on things, all of the above, but you don't want to match their emotional level. That's where your child gets distracted by your emotions and they don't think about what you're saying and they don't process how you're feeling. They're just ready to flare up with you. So I think that's great advice, Jan, that you just sort of bring your voice down an octave, um, yeah. lower the volume a little bit, and you can be compassionate and you can have empathy and you can recognize how tough it is and how much you know that they want to go to the party, but now it's not going to happen. And you can also work on setting goals, you know? So instead of just saying no, you might say, this is a no for now, but let's talk about a way that you can see your friends that feel safe. I've heard too that a lot of times kids want the parents to say no. They want to be able to say to their friends, I'd love to do this, but my parents say no. They want to have a bad guy that they can blame 
because maybe deep down they don't want to get into a situation where there are going to be drinking or drugs or sexual situations. I think that's really true for some kids. And I think it's probably true for all kids sometimes that they, you know, it's hard to regulate yourself at that age. And so to have someone else step in and say, we're going to do a media break for the afternoon. We're not going to be on our phones or no, you're not going to go to this party or whatever it may be. But it's sort of a way of setting boundaries when your child isn't able to that can come as a real relief. One of the most important conversations that I think has really just unfortunately been brought to the forefront that we need to have with kids is about illness and death. COVID has just made it so that we have to. And I think you have a lot of teens who are who are scared. They probably know a friend of a friend whose grandma passed away from COVID and their family's nervous and they're nervous that they're going to die or get sick themselves. How do you initiate that conversation? I think you're right. I think there is a sort of um, overwhelming feeling of helplessness right now among kids. And and to your point before, they need to feel like there are grownups who are in charge when they feel like things are so off the rails. So approaching this and talking about it wholeheartedly is a really good way to say, I know that this this can cause some feelings to fester. It can cause anxiety. And I want to talk about it with you. Um, I think that the nicest way to start this is, you know, just to check in first and say, how are you and your friends feeling? And adding that and your friends is a really good way to do this because your child doesn't want to feel defensive. You know, (laughs) a simple question like, how are you feeling? Could make a teenager think, why? What are you suspicious of? (laughs) So doing a broader group check, uh, I think, comes across, rightly so, as just sort of caring generally about, you know, all of them. So how are you and your friends doing with all of this? How are people coping? What are people worried about? And framing it more as a group question is a really good way to get started. Sex is another one that's difficult to talk about with tweens and teens. And this whole world nowadays with sex and sexuality, it's such a different world, certainly than I grew up in. I think it's very different even than what Laura grew up in. And it's changing all the time. What are your suggestions for parents when it comes to just making sure that kids feel that they can come to their their parents with any questions they have about sex or sexuality, things that, that are confusing for a kid? I love this question because I think you're right. I think it feels like a really different time. There's even a lot of vocabulary now that many people um, who aren't in middle school wouldn't understand naturally. You know, it's not part of their vocab. So my first bit of advice is to immerse yourself a little bit in some education. There are some really terrific websites out there. I, I think it's called Identiversity is one that I really like that has a full glossary for you of all the terms that you may or may not know as a parent, but that your child probably has a pretty firm grasp of by the time they're in middle school. So I would say become educated first and then make sure that you're using language about other people that is inclusive because if your child wants to talk to you and they hear you saying something about not understanding why someone did that, you know, when you're watching TV or whatever it may be, they're going to be reluctant to come to you because they're going to sense a little bit of judgment or a little bit of reserve on your part. 
So I think if you can begin to talk about other people in a more inclusive manner in general, and then also you just make it known to your child that you love them no matter what, and if they whatever they want to talk about, you're willing to talk about with them is great. And then in terms of sex, I mean, I'm talking previously about sexuality and gender and identity and all of that, but in terms of sex, um, start early and use language that is um, clinically correct and appropriate so that your child understands that you are a safe resource for information and that you're not going to freak out and you're not going to get embarrassed and you're not going to tread, you know, all the way around the subject, but you just have to be comfortable talking about this stuff. Otherwise your kid might Google it. And that's really the worst case scenario. We're glad you're part of our Nobody Told Me family of listeners, and we're excited to tell you about Lomi, the world's first smart waste appliance. If you've struggled with composting and feel it's too much work or feel bad that you're not doing your part to help the environment, you have to check out Lomi. Lomi is a countertop electric composter, and I love it because I don't have a traditional garbage disposal. With Lomi, I don't need to take a lot of trips to the garbage with food waste. I just turn food scraps into dirt with the push of a button, and in just a minute, we'll tell you about a special offer from Lomi for our Nobody Told Me listeners. I love my Lomi because just about anything I'd put in the kitchen disposer can be put into the Lomi on my countertop and turned into dirt in four hours. There's no smell when it runs and it's really quiet. Since I got my Lomi, I throw out way less garbage. Me too. And you know, I think it's cut down my kitchen garbage by at least a half. That means it's not going to landfills and producing methane. Instead, my Lomi turns my food waste into nutrient-rich dirt that I can feed to my plants. It is so cool to see. I feel great knowing that I'm composting and creating soil instead of garbage. I have a basically limitless supply of dirt now for my garden, and Lomi is so easy to use. While you may want to get a Lomi for yourself, you may also want to get one for someone on your holiday list. This is a great gift that will help someone year-round. If you want to start making a positive environmental impact or just make cleanup after dinner that much easier, Lomi is perfect for you. Head to Lomi.com slash NTM and use the promo code NTM to get $50 off your Lomi. That's $50 off when you head to Lomi.com slash NTM. And again, that's Lomi spelled L-O-M-I. Use promo code NTM at checkout. Food waste is gross. Lomi is your solution. With the holidays just around the corner, Lomi will make the perfect gift for someone on your shopping list. Just head to Lomi.com slash NTM and use the promo code NTM to get $50 off your Lomi. Things are just being portrayed in such a crazy way on social media and everything's so oversexed. What do you do if you find your kid is posting something that you think is a little bit provocative, or you see that they're editing their body or their face to a way that it's not realistic and you're concerned that they may end up having an eating disorder or have low self-esteem issues. This is bound to happen. I think it's a very important thing for parents to consider. It's something that I would be really cautious about as a parent in in terms of um, I would hope that I would talk preemptively about these things. So before even handing over social media, I think there's some things that you want to talk about with your child. And I'm not someone who um, demonizes social media. I think like any tool, there are really good things that can come of it and really bad things that can come of it. 
a tool isn't useful to us unless it's a little bit dangerous, right? Like, so a dull knife is no good. <laughs> um, <laughs> exactly. A, a stove that doesn't turn on isn't very helpful. So it, social media has really good things and really bad things. And I would identify for yourself as the parent, what are the things that really concern you? I don't want my kid to be over-sexualized on social media. I don't want my kid connecting with people who are pretending to be someone they're not. Um, I don't want my kid being cruel to other people. So go through that checklist and have those conversations, even more than monitoring your kid's social media, which initially I think you should do, and then you back that up. But even more than that, having really honest, open conversations about this prior to them even getting online, I think is your best line of defense. And then if it's too late, <laughs> if your kid's already on social media, it is not too late to backtrack and talk about these things. And what about bullying, whether it's happening on social media or in person? If your kid is the victim of a bully or if your kid is the bully, what's mm -hmm. your advice for parents? I think it's the kind of thing, much like the social media conversation, that I hope parents will have before it hits their radar. So we want to be paving the path on some of these issues before they come up. If, if you discover whether through your child telling you or just through observation or it's reported to you by someone else that your child is being treated really badly on social media, then I think you've, first of all, got to institute a break, right? And just say, we need to take a little media break as a family, a day or two. And then same thing as those questions I suggested earlier, but how can I support you? How do you feel about this? What do you think is your next best move? Encouraging kids to brainstorm on these topics is really powerful because being made to feel like a victim makes kids feel like they are helpless and that can make kids feel like they're hopeless. And we never want a kid to reach a point where they feel hopeless. So you want to put some authority back in their court and say like, hey, there are a bunch of things you could do here. Let's talk through them. No idea is a bad idea. Let's just come up with a list. What can you do to feel better right now? Is it is it connecting with other friends? Is it blocking people on your social media? Is it taking a break? Is it saying something to the person that they need to stop? You know, so give them a little bit of power back and that really does help a lot. At what point do you think that parents need to seek help for their kids if they're concerned about I don't even want to say it, but them being suicidal or them maybe harming somebody that they know. I think if you're getting any red flags about self-harm or about threatening anyone else, it's time to involve a professional. Um, a really good counselor will be wonderful in this situation. Uh, sometimes the red flag isn't quite that extreme. You haven't caught wind of a, um, you know, cutting or a, a plan for suicide. Maybe it's not that bad, but you're just concerned that your child is in a deep pit of despair and you don't want it to get that bad. So what I say then is it's very normal to have deep and painful emotions as a tween or a teen. What's not normal is when you don't come up out of those for air. So we all go on that emotional roller coaster where we're, you know, when we were teenagers, we were sad, we were just in despair, and then we were really happy, and then we were in despair again. That's normal. <laughs> but if they are stuck in despair mode for very long, then again, it's time to get someone professional to come and help out. 
What about looking for people who are in the child's life, but are not a parent, like a coach or a teacher or a neighbor or, or some other adult figure to kind of step in and, and sort of help you with the raising of the child? Yes, this is a terrific idea. Um, I encourage parents to deputize people into their lives who they know they can call on, who the child knows they can call on if they need someone else to talk to. Because quite naturally, at this point of life, your kid is pulling away from you. They really want to feel some independence from their parent at this point. So, you know, the first thing I did when my kids got a cell phone is I talked to my good friend and I said, can you text each kid and say, um, I'm here for you. If you ever need anything, put my number into your cell phone. If you want to text me to talk, if you find yourself in a situation that makes you uncomfortable, all you have to do is reach out to me and I will help you out. So you definitely need a village. And I think it's important to kind of make that official. As you know, our show is called Nobody Told Me. So at the end of each show, we ask our guests, what is your nobody told me lesson? So you've come up with these very important 14 talks. What do you wish more than anything that somebody had told you because it would have made your life a lot easier? Oh, that's good. I think what I wish I had known when my kids were younger and what I hope other parents know when their kids are in middle school is that every kid is going to make mistakes. And your goal shouldn't be to keep them from ever feeling pain or from ever feeling embarrassed or from having regret. Those are really normal and natural parts of growing up. Um, Your goal is to, to develop a relationship that is strong enough that when they make a mistake, when they're in pain, they know they can come to you and talk about it. And Michelle, how can people connect with you on social media and the internet? Well, I am on Instagram. It's my full name. So it's Michelle with two L's. And my last name is I-C-A-R-D. So you can find me on Instagram there. Um, On Facebook, it's my name with author and speaker after it. And my website is, again, just my full name, michelleichard.com. I also really enjoyed your YouTube channel. People really should check that out. It was digestible and small, small little bites. So you're doing a great job with that too. Oh, thank you. That's so nice to hear. Our thanks to Michelle Eichert. Again, her latest book is called 14 Talks by Age 14, The Essential Conversations You Need to Have with Your Kids Before They Start High School. Her website again is michelleichert.com. I'm Jan Black. And I'm Laura Owens. You're listening to Nobody Told Me. Thank you so much for joining us.